Since the dawn of time, we've been told to blog. But do you even know why you do it anymore? Most business blogs don't even convert and don't generate any revenue. In this episode, we talk about why your content doesn't generate sales and how to reverse it. Plus, Tony and I have a lot of fun in this week's segment of Can We Fix It? Welcome to the Inbound Buzz Podcast, your weekly jolt of all things digital and inbound marketing. Brought to you by redpandas.com.au. Now for your host and co-founder of Red Pandas, Moby Sadiq. Welcome to the Inbound Buzz Podcast. We need to change that intro, man. Mm. I just realized it's got Moby. It's got Moby. It hasn't got Tony in it. <laughs> but anyway, how are you going today, Tony? Yeah, good. How are you going? Good, good, but not as good as you. I reckon the air was fresher for you today. Absolutely. I reckon your toast was more scrumptious. The water you drank was more, you know, nutrient. And work, that, yeah. And, work, do you, and do you know why? I woke up with a little bit more confident. Yeah. Like, why is that? I got my first stripe. You got your first stripe <laughs> in jiu-jitsu. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. If I knew what the button was to do the fake applause, I would have done it. But anyway, uh, Tony, let's get straight into our news buzz. What are we talking about first? Today's first one is Google adds Asian-owned attributes to business profiles. So in uh, Google My Business, you can go into the options in the settings and add in attributes. And you can label some of the things for your business like... Um, yeah, Asian-owned business is one of the attributes that you can now add in. I don't know, Moby, because like um, I'm a bit wary about that. So basically, you know, to verify your Google um, My Business, you can add in like, are you Asian-owned business? Or, you know, like some of the features is the LGBTQ, you know, friendly. friendly yeah. Or identifies as woman-owned. I don't know. Is that actually great for a business? Like, or... Do you reckon that might uh, cause a bit of, you know, vulnerability? You know, like there's been a lot of, you know, for me personally, my community, like the Asian hate crimes happening. Are we going to be more targeted? This is what I'm concerned about. Like, is this a good idea or is this not? Yeah, it's a really good question, right? But I don't think so because, like, isn't it pretty obvious when you walk past the Asian store that <laughs> Asians run it? <laughs> like, it's pretty obvious. And I don't think neo-Nazis are going on Google My Business to find Asian places to like spread hate crimes and stuff <laughs> so but it's a good question but I, I think what it is it's more for you know because i thought about it i'm like what's the point of that like you know every but this is the thing unfortunately not every place is asian friendly and lgbtq friendly and comfortable for women even though it should be the world we we live in right so the way i thought about it is say you you're visiting another town and you know you don't speak very good english mm. or you know you've experienced some hate crimes in the past and you know you're looking for somewhere you know that's friendly you know caters to your needs right or maybe you're from the trans community and you know you're not comfortable using a certain bathroom or, mm. or whatever right so i understand everyone has their own sort of thing but i do hope this is not just the end i hope they have places like you know, for all communities, like, you know, halal friendly. Absolutely. Kosher friendly, you know, for the, for the Jewish community. Um, vegan. Vegan friendly. You know, yeah. all these labels. And I think that's, it's a step in the right direction. I think it's good. Okay. Like, I think it does more, more help than harm. I hope yeah. so. So, we'll see in the next few years and see what happens. 
Uh, our next uh, story is Google lets business set auto response to common questions in GMB. How would this help businesses, Moat? So this is really cool, right? So if you have ever, you know, if you've managed a Facebook page or an Instagram page, you can have these automated chat flows, mm. like what time do you open? And it's like, oh, we open from Monday to Friday, et cetera, et cetera. So GMB is rolling the same thing out in Google My Business in the map section where you can have 10 questions and you can load them up. So I was thinking about this. So one of our clients is in the childcare industry and they could have, and I know they use GMB quite well. They use, they upload promotions there. Mm-hmm. They, they use all the features and it works really well for them. So they could have, okay, in Clarence Street, um, you know, what is the price for a three-year-old, mm. right? And it's like, okay, zero to twos, three to fours, four to fives. So you can load up these questions and think about it this way, Tony. Like if you're doing that, we always talk about the tab test. You're doing the tab test and one business actually has, you know, all the information for GMB. They've got five stars. Mm. They've, they've got up-to-date information. They've got 10 questions because it's always the same. Like how much does it cost? Where is it? Like it, every business has like the 80-20 rule. You always mm. have this, the bulk of the questions are always the same. And you have a business that has those questions. Who's going to win that tab test? Absolutely. You know what I mean? So I think it's great. Think it's point. like a little like boring little technical thing, but I think it's really good for conversions. Absolutely. Would it be later better than like using chatbots, you reckon? Or would it? Well, this, it, we're talking about context, right? Mm. Like this is the thing, chatbots were the biggest thing like three, mm. four years ago. But no one's really, apart from big businesses, have invested and taken the time and the effort and the energy to develop those. The, the tech has been out for like four or five years. Yeah, sure. But people haven't deployed it. But think about this. This is in Google, right? So I think, I can't remember the stat whether it was 50 or 60% of searches don't leave Google because the information is in, in Google. Mm. You have like, you know, even if you're like, you know, this morning I was like, how do I stop the music app on my Mac from playing bloody music? Because I hate <laughs> that app. And, yeah. and I didn't even have to click because like in the search results, the steps were there. Mm. So this is one of those things. If someone's not making it to the website, they can get their question and query answered in Google without leaving it. And you still get that that business. So it's Fantastic. Cool. Our, luck, um, our last one is... The uh, Facebook Live shopping feature is going away. So, just a bit of um, context and history. Facebook created this, um, you know, live shopping event for uh, creators and you know, like business people to, you know, connect with buyers. And you know, you could do live events and you could buy and shop and do all that sort of stuff. But they're actually taking it away, and in October the first. So, to me, I'm looking at that, and I think. You know, it's just not working on Facebook as much as as Commerce in general. Yeah, you know, Facebook's struggling and they're moving more towards Instagram. And in Instagram, you can still do the reels and do live shopping. You just can't do it on Facebook no more. So, obviously, there's a bit of a dip in, um, you know, user um, and, you know, attentions and all that stuff. But specifically, they're following TikTok, TikTok's footsteps because TikTok announced that they were going to remove that as well. So, it's like TikTok is just this... Influential, you know, uh, social media platform that's just you're making a wave in the industry. I'm almost sick of talking about TikTok because then people (laughs) think I'm a TikTok maxi, right? Oh, so you know, I literally had a. I was talking to a lawyer. I started talking to him about videos, and he's like, "Oh, maybe before you go any further, I'm not shaking my ass on TikTok." I'm like, "Dude, I'm not even asking you to do that. You're a lawyer. You should have videos on your website. Just basic stuff like how do I get out of a traffic ticket." Um, you know, Ooh. how do I counter sue? Yeah, if someone right. put an AVO against me, what should I do? Or if I want to put an AVO, like just basic stuff. People always jump to those type of things. 
we, we do TikTok because it's in our industry and we've already mastered the other types of videos. We've already done 20, 30, 40, 50, mm. so many of them. So that's why we're doing that. It's horses for courses. But um, guys, we're still early. Like we're still early. If you're not on it right now uh, and your competition isn't, don't let that be a reason why you're not on it because your competition isn't. Mm. I see like physiotherapists. I see like video guys, marketers, obviously, uh, people who make tables, like the most basic businesses, you know, a burger joint and this guy, like they're actually in this business and in this building, he gives like recipes and tips and tricks and, but you're talking about his stuff. You're sharing his stuff. You're sharing his brand and that's how it gets around. So marketing is very different now. Interesting. That's it for our news buzz. Our next uh, segment featured buzz, why your content doesn't generate sales. And this is interesting today. Like, I'm really happy to hear about this. Yeah, so we've got a standalone video that's come out on this as well. We'll link that in the show notes. And by the way, that GMB instructions on how to get those Q&A chatbots uh, there as well. We'll link that in the show notes, redpandas.com.au forward slash EP121. Now, but anyway, the, the blog thing, it's one of those things. It's like something you're just supposed to do. Right, But honestly, when you think about it, it's kind of a ticker box because hmm. no one can really give you a good answer on why you do it. Like, why do you blog? Well, you know, for content. Why do you, maybe for SEO. But almost no one, almost everyone is too embarrassed to say that I do it to generate revenue. Yeah. But you should be generating revenue. Like, honestly, like that's why we sort of started this whole content marketing, blogging thing back, you know, way back when, Right. But the problem is like the first thing I would sort of ask, Tony, is like to a business is, is your sales and marketing team aligned? Do they actually have common objectives? Do they meet together consistently? Consistently, that's the key. Not just, not just sending an email once every three months or oh, can you just send me the questions you get mm. answered or a, a random meeting or can you send me the questions you get so I can you know, create some content? Firstly, it's a little bit like, like rude to, for, to ask that to a salesperson, like, dude, you just want me to do your job. Yeah. But secondly, that's not really how you do it, essentially. Because um, the sales team is on the front line. Mm. They're the ones on the front line. They're the ones talking to the customers day in, day out. As marketers, we're sitting in our little ivory towers. We download a how to make a persona guide from HubSpot, make my free persona tool. And all of a sudden, we think we're going to create content that converts. Now, we might get a, a fair ways in. But that's why we're not generating revenue. That's why our content isn't actually attributing to actual sales. Okay. So, like, how do we do it? How do we rectify this? Like, how do we bring them together and, you know, work as a team, as a business and get revenue? That's the most important thing. So, before I was talking about it's not just asking a question every now and again. Like, like any business initiative hmm. in any, any kind of industry, any, anything that you want to do, there has to be some sort of system in place. There has to be some sort of structure in place. So specifically what I'm talking about here is the idea of a revenue team. And what the revenue team is, it has key members from marketing and key members from the sales team working in that team. And the sole objective is anything and everything that generates revenue and sales. So for example, the sales team is involved in the ideation of creating content. On the marketer side too, they don't get off scot-free. They have SLAs to bring a number of leads to the sales team. And specifically, because we hear this issue all the time, everyone has a common understanding and definition of what a lead is. Mm. 
You know, it's not just someone who downloaded an ebook. This is what a lead is. This is what an MQL is. This is what an SQL is. So the revenue team meets, and we've seen this work very, very well, uh, either weekly, which can be a lot, to be honest. Uh, you know, we're looking at a fortnightly for Red Pandas, or they meet fortnightly and they discuss key things. Now, it's not the scope of this podcast to go into it in, in a lot of detail. We have some information on our website, but it's not just, okay, guys, um, uh, tell me what question you got asked this week. It's, about, it's around things like there's an art to doing it. All right. What object- objections did you get this week? Mm. Talk to me about some of the deals. All right, awesome. Why do you think that deal isn't progressing? Or what would be helpful? Because this is the thing too, like are sales more likely or less likely to share content if they're involved in the ideation process? Mm, interesting. More likely, right? Because they were part of it. They weren't, it didn't come from some marketers sitting in an ivory tower yeah. using a Make My Persona tool from HubSpot. So that's essentially the first step to ensure that that content is hitting their objections, hitting their hurdles, hitting the customer's pain points, earning trust and actually generating revenue. Interesting. Um, so, Mobes, just a quick question. Why is there such a disconnect between marketing and sales? Like, you know, like... You know what? It, that's a good question. I think it's just because everyone's selfish, and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. We're selfish. Like we're just, we're hired to do our jobs. Marketing is hired to do marketing's job. Sales is hired to do sales jobs. And that's why the, the idea of a revenue team is really important because unless, think about, we've all, we all work somewhere, right? We all work. There's, you need to have, you know, anytime there's an initiative, there has to be some sort of ownership. There has to be a, uh, like a stakeholder, an owner of that project or that initiative. Mm. There has to be stakeholders involved. There has to be a system where every so often, and doesn't matter if it's even quarterly, there's a cadence of catch-up. There's a system and a process. You look at any successful business, what makes that up? There's like two or three ingredients, the right people and the right processes, mm. right? They're actually having the right processes in place that quantify this sort type of stuff. So when you talk to me, why does it often work? It's because we're, and there's nothing wrong with being selfish. We're hired to do our jobs. We should be selfish. Mm. That's our job. Mm. Our, my job is to do this. That's why when you have a revenue team, it's structurally bound you as an organization to actually create content at a cadence and a KPI and an object, uh, objective that everyone recognizes. So essentially for the revenue team to work, there are three things that have to be present. Without these three things, it's very, very hard. The first is there's a complete buy-in to answering the customer's question, mm-hmm. right? We want to answer them transparently. If, if they have a question, a concern, uh, whatever it is, we have transparent and we have an obsession as an organization to answer customer questions as authentically and honestly as possible. That's one. The second thing is the team, the sales team needs to adopt assignment selling. Now, assignment selling is the idea of using content in articles and videos in your sales process. So, for example, uh, you know, let's go back to that childcare example, right? Uh, someone speaks to our childcare client. And the client says, you know what, I'm going to book you in for a tour next week, but I'm going to send you this article. You know, you have a little one, a newborn, and that article is going to go over everything that we do to ensure that your child is, I was going to say onboarded because, yeah, yeah. it's a SaaS, right? Yeah. Onboarded is welcomed in an appropriate manner. So what does that do? That shifts the relationship from a, hey, I'm a salesperson selling you to an advisor, a trusted advisor. And also you're kind of positioning yourself as the alpha. Because you're giving them homework to do. Interesting. And if they don't do it, then they're not that interested. You know what I mean? If I'm, if I'm being honest with you. Now, like I was saying before, if you don't have a revenue team, because I've seen this before and I've, I've done this and I've failed in the past, why doesn't sales pe- use our content? 
Well, because they weren't involved in the ideation of it. They're not going to trust your stuff because sure. salespeople know best. Sure. They know best. They're, they're the ones who make, make the wheels go around, right? Like, and that's cool. You need to have confident, cocky salespeople in a way. Like, I've never had a good salesperson who is just a yes man and always does everything. I, like someone once told me if I have a sales team and they're not pushing me and driving me and not being difficult, they're usually shitty salespeople. So by yeah. definition, they're cocky and confident. There's so, nothing wrong with that. So they can't be polite? <laughs> no, it's not about that. It's not about that. They have this confidence. So I guess what I'm saying is you just have to, it's psychology, just understanding people. Yeah. If they're not involved in that content, they're not going to use your content. They're not going to respect it. So that's where assignment selling works. So having that commitment and then having using assignment selling. And the third one is having measurement frameworks. So I'm going to link this in the show notes, but there's this report and you've seen this report before and in our, in our lovely video editors will throw this in as I'm talking. There's a report I'm looking at right now that's got two columns and the first column is first page seen and the second column is closed deal amount, right? Two columns, right? So if you're listening in the car and you can't see this, just think one column is the first page someone saw and the second column is revenue generated. So this report here, I'm looking at the number one ge uh, revenue generating piece of content on our website for this particular period was a webinar we did on lead generation. Amazing. And it generated $38,000. Uh, the next one that isn't the homepage was another webinar that generated $36,000. Then we've got the podcast that generated $33,000, so on and so forth. So this is the thing, like you, this is using HubSpot. I'm not sure what else can do this. Mm. You know, but HubSpot is the easiest. So, but if you just, one of these things without the other two ingredients doesn't work. You need commitment buying, you need assignment selling, and then you need measurement frameworks. Because then when you're in your revenue team meetings, you look at this and everyone gets excited. The salespeople are like, holy shit, this content stuff actually works. Yeah. You know what? Do this, do this, do this, do this. And that's where you sort of get that revenue team. And that's where that cycle of content that creates trust, content that then actually converts and gets sales and then more content, and then you have this cycle. Mm. So that's essentially the first step. If, if, if any time anyone ever asks me my content doesn't convert, that's sort of the path I would take them down. Fantastic. Um, so that wraps it up for uh, our featured buzz today. Just a recap, uh, as Moby mentioned, there was three points. It was committed. Um, Moby, could you help me out? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's getting, it's, it, we record this on Friday afternoon, yeah. guys. So, like, you're, you're getting our best brains. Uh, so, obviously, that top buy-in, that commitment from the team, answering customers' questions, uh, using the content in the sales process. This is where software and systems are very, very important. And then, obviously, having, uh, like, a measurement attribution framework or, or measurement. And that's not difficult. All these things are possible and people are doing, you know. Fantastic. Okay, and that wraps it up. So for our next segment, one of my favorite segments, um, I actually like this because, you know, we get very interactive and we look at businesses live in, you know, in the world right now. Um, can we fix it? Moby and Tony, can they fix it? Moby and Tony, yes, they can. I'm laughing because um, me and Tony can hear it in our headphones. But our video team and our content manager can't. So, he just sees us just kind of like smiling like idiots, right? Uh, I want to first, before we go any further, huge, huge shout out to our Impact friends and family and special shout out to Mr. Alex Winter. So, Alex works at Impact and, um, you know, we used to use Bob the Builder. Obviously, you know, if you, if you know Bob the Builder, we, used the, we did a parody of Bob the Builder. 
And the thing about Impact is they have a bunch of musos. Like every other guy plays the guitar and whatnot. So I just pinged the team. I'm like, guys, do you mind doing, you know, and Alex came back and, and smashed this out for us. And this guy's like a triple threat. He looks good. He sings and does inbound marketing. Like wow. he's amazing. So shout out to those guys. Uh, anyway, so moving on today, we are going to be talking about Fitness Playground. It's a very popular gym franchise in Sydney. Uh, I might actually be in other states as well. But anyway, I know they're definitely in Sydney. And um, now we've got a fair bit of experience in this area, actually, because anyone who knows Wimp to Warrior, we started working with them when they had three or four employees. Uh, fast forward two, three years later, they've actually been bought by News Corp, uh, had a number of series around investment. They're in like 10, 20 countries, 50 to 100 cities. It's just crazy. Like these guys are blown up. And, and shout out to my friend Nick, who's a CEO there. Uh, but we've got a lot of experience in this area, essentially. So what we're going to talk to is some of their ads. Uh, maybe if we get time, look at their website as well and how we would do things a little bit differently. So what I will do is let me get this ad up here. Um, okay, cool. So Tony, you can see that on your screen as well. Add one first. And Add one. Yeah. So, okay. So what you guys are looking at, if you guys are looking at the video version is a couple of ads, right? We've got this one ad of this woman jumping up, try hit classes. And then we've got this another video of make this your playground. Um, I'll, I'll stop for a minute there. Initial thoughts about the ads, Tony. Look, they look very good. You know, great creative. I mean, they look very polished. They look very professional. Um, they look great on, you know, um, your for creative production um, standards. But. But. What's the but? It's on. We're, they're advertising on Facebook mode. So with Facebook ads, it's a different style. It's a different structure. You know, we've got to approach it differently for marketing. So the thing, they look great. But the thing is, they look too polished. Like they're, and this is the thing about Fitness Playground. I understand why Fitness Playground does this. Because they have amazing gyms. And, and by the way, they're an amazing organization. The CEO, Justin, he's been featured in a bunch of magazines. A very innovative guy. Everything they do is polished, pristine, looks great. But their ads are too polished and pristine. Now, this doesn't work in 2022. Mm. And I would actually hazard a guess it's not working even today because like the screenshots I'm sharing, I had saved them from a while back. They're not running right now. If it looks and smells like an ad, that's what the customer is going to think. It looks and smells like an ad. So they're just, just way, way too polished. Like it's just too – and it just becomes background noise. Now, these ads were great four or five years ago mm. when no one was doing this stuff. But – that's the fitness industry now. Everything's polished and high res and like, you know, like techno music and mm. fit guys and you know, tight pants and like, you know what I mean? Like tight pants. <laughs> yeah, that's the, you know, eye candy. You know what I mean? Like everyone's doing that crap now. Yeah. So when everyone's doing anything, you have to move and shift. So let's talk about some of our ideas, what we would do different, Tony. Well, specifically, let's look at it for my Facebook marketing strategy. Um, these ads are great maybe for a brand awareness maybe or traffic generation. But that's all it's, it's going to do, right? In terms of trying to get more leads and sales, I will go for a different approach. For example, like UGC, you know, that sort of stuff where we can get more people, like, you know, personally recording on their phone. Or even UGC style, right? Yeah, sorry, like one yeah. thing we've been talking about, UGC is great mm. when you can get it. But even like UGC style, which is like, it's like faux leather. Yeah. Right? It's like Tesla's vegan leather. It's like not quite, it looks like leather, but it's not. So UGC style is like faux UGC where it's kind of like done with an iPhone. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, exactly. So that, that real authentic kind of look. Um, secondly, I feel like there's not many, um, what would you say, 
utility um, purpose. So with ads, they got to represent or indicate or present a you know like a function, a benefit, something that can be relatable to the audience. You know, and you mentioned something great, Moby, about utility ads. And that's right on point. Yeah. So, I mean, by the way, I don't think I'd ever kill those polished ads at all. What we find, especially with ads in 2022, you need a lot more ads than you used to. You have to test other. You know this better than me. I'm I'm stealing your lines, actually, Tony. You're our paid media guy. But uh, you need a lot more than you used to. So, I Mm. definitely would put those part of the mix. Mm. But the um essentially what it is a utility ad is something of information something of use so for example an ad that is that is that is an ad but it's informational why you can't stick to your gym routine mm. right or if you only have 30 minutes a day three times per week this is what you should do yes which would be great for a lazy ass like me you got 30 100%. minutes a day or 30 minutes for three times a week this is what you should do some actual utility and helpful ads, you know, would be great. So mixing that in, you might have these awareness ads, you might have these utility ads as a middle of funnel thing. Then you might have something like, you know, F45 versus Fitness Playground. Ooh. You know, <laughs> that that's versus content. That's they ask you answer content, right? You might have um, F45, you know, a Fitness Playground versus working, from, working out from home, that type of thing. Yeah. So essentially mixing it up and having different ads at different stages and then remarketing. And this is where customer testimonials work great on that Mm. remarketing level and those offers. Um, But that's just one thing too. Like as a side note, it's not something we we spoke about before we caught up, but I'm just thinking now, like a lot of gyms have this free seven-day pass Mm. and you get a lot of freeloaders. So often gyms have this problem and I know uh, Wimp to Warrior often would have this too. You'd give it a lot of people who sign up but the stickiness, mm. right? So it's one thing to get people into the door, but keeping them there, having a sticky offer is really important. So they probably use some great gym software, right? But it's probably really shitty automation. It probably mm. doesn't have, you know, like for example, if I signed up, you know, maybe I have like, I get an SMS or an email I get on day two. It's like, how are you trekking? How are you feeling? Yeah. How are you going? Because then your seven days passes, You've, you've, you've gone once, you're really sore and then you never went again. Yeah. The other thing too, I would ask, because it's like, it's not just ads too. You might have uh, like in the IT or, or I guess the, the business world, there's a thing known as office hours where you have a call and you let your customers just come. They should have office hours. They should actually have office hours for brand new uh, people who join. Mm. So every week there's an office hour, maybe it's at six o'clock and everyone who signed up that week jumps on office hours and they talk about, their story you know someone might be like yeah i went once but you know i got really busy at work and then you have someone else sort of saying you know what all good you know i got busy too you know like you know know, keep up at it that type of thing so it just kind of gets that Mm. and it's scalable because you're not having calls with one-on-one people you're doing this in a group setting yeah so um but yeah and that's it look and apart from that like you know we won't spend too much time on this we are running short uh but on the website as well website looks great really really polished but guys and i don't know why gyms do this like our, our, our jiu-jitsu gym does this too and I've had, I've had a conversation oh. with our jiu-jitsu, we call them professors. Dude, put prices on your website, man. Mm. Put prices on your website because the problem, you become a victim of your own success when you're a brand as premium as Fitness Playground. People think you're too expensive. That's true. They, like, wow, all this polish, all these like high-end equipment, great lighting, like – you know, people, I, I would hazard a guess, and I don't know, and I could be wrong about this, that a lot of people that Fitness Playground speaks to, when you told them the price, like, oh, okay, yeah, that was in line with my expectation or lower. Yeah. Because you got, when you, when you remove price, you add frustration, so you get less people coming through, 
And that frustration is the F word of the internet. Mm. And the second thing that also happens is people think you're more expensive than you are. Yeah. It is what it is. Like this is not a brand new product. You know what I mean? Gyms are gyms are gyms, right? So put your prices on your website. 100%. Um, but that's all the time we've got for today. Mr. Tony, any passing thoughts before we end it? No, that was a great chat we had today. I'm happy to be back every uh, fortnight. Yeah. yeah, sounds great. All right, team, we'll see you guys next time. Uh, we'll join you again for another episode of Inbound Buzz. Thanks for listening to Inbound Buzz. Learn anything? Return the favor by spreading the word. Want to make your mark in digital? Need help with your digital strategy, inbound, and marketing automation efforts? Then visit redpandas.com.au and be sure to tune in next time for another Inbound Buzz hit.